the definitions in Spanish, I posted imagery of uh, dosing or what dabbing looks like or explanations like that on that page strictly in Spanish. So if you want to share it to your aunt, you want to share it to your mom, you want to show it to her and discuss it with her, like, look, someone took the time to translate this into Spanish so we, so we can discuss it, so you can understand what I'm smoking. Because sometimes some of us don't care, but a lot of people do want to talk to their family about what they do. They don't want to be the crackhead. They literally want their family to know, I'm smoking. It does nothing to me. I'm very calm. Welcome to Blue Dream Radio, the People's Cannabis Podcast, a weekly podcast giving communities of color a dose of the real deal in the cannabis industry. Learn with us, smoke with us, and join us as we bring truth to power. For me to think that you are the one for me. Left your baby mom, not Cardi's your wife to be. Ex had me locked up, but you came to set me free. They say you're not my type, but you come a type to be. So answer this, can you hold me? Welcome everyone to a new episode of Blue Dream Radio. This is your co-host, LEG. And this is your host, uh, Frida. <laughs> and we have an amazing episode. Like all our episodes yes. are amazing. I'm eating a little edible that she made me. So I'm, you know, eating talking at the same time um so uh we're here with vice and queen uh dominican artist uh visual artist uh entrepreneur cannapreneur and now she's becoming a force in the cannabis industry and we are delighted to have her here today with us and you know talking to us about her brand and the things that she's doing in the cannabis industry and one of the things that i'm excited about is that we're going to be talking about colorism and we're going to be talking some of the things that's happening in our community, some of the dirty laundry that's happening in our community mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed. Uh, it, needs to, it needs to be aired out. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you uh, because I remember when I first started Blue Dream Radio, I put out a post about what should we talk about um, in the cannabis industry. And one of the things that you put on a, on, on, on a reply was we should talk about colorism. So, <laughs> I don't even remember that. Yeah. So ever since so then, I've been trying. Quick racism. Yeah. So ever and since that's then, it's like it's a seed that's literally like yeah. grown in his brain. He's like, I need to get back to it. Yeah, so yeah. now we are here. So go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do a quick little intro, and then Vizy Queen will let you uh, take it away from there. Um, so one of the biggest underlying problems affecting Latinos is colorism or the Latinx community. Uh, when we think about racism, it is usually against people outside of their ethnicity or race. Colorism is a discrimination against your own because they are darker, they have darker or lighter complexion. In the cannabis industry, you often see someone in, with a lighter complexion getting a job, promotion, and special treatment because they're considered more beautiful or valuable uh, than someone with darker skin tone. This week, we were speaking with a dem- Dominican cannapreneur, influencer, visual artist, and writer Vising Queen. This powerful sister is breaking the walls of colorism in the cannabis industry and will be talking to us about how she is using her art and her writing to fight back against hatred and oppression in the industry. So sit back, roll up, and let's get higher with Blue Dream Radio. All right, Vising Queen, so take it away. Talk to us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so my name is Visine Queen, but my name is actually Lisa. <laughs> but that's the name that I've gone by um, as I kind of created an alias to go online and just mm-hmm. be a pothead um, years ago. And um, name of my name of really organization is kind of the same. I kind of carry that name um, across the board, whether it be speaking publicly or doing events or creating art. 
um, I kind of just find myself in different corners wherever I could kind of leave and leave some sort of a space for others like me or for people to see themselves in the things that I do or if they've never seen themselves be amongst us in the things that we do, then they'll see one of us and say, oh, okay, there is a place for me in, in cannabis or amongst these people. There's somewhere for me to um, get to know people in this space. Um, did you want me to just like go through what you asked me or did you? No, no, no. We're going to go through it. We'll go through it as, okay. we, as we talk to it. Yeah, but talk okay, a little okay. bit more about just the, your, oh, just kidding. <laughs> so we're going to do the kind of quote of the day. Um, so what we do is we just, you know, give you a quote. And in this case, it's going to be a definition. Um, and then you just talk to us about what your thoughts are about it and, and we'll go from there. So the kind of quote of the day or our now kind of definition of the day is discrimination based on skin color, also known as colorism or shadism, is a form of prejudice or discrimination usually from members of the same race in which people are treated differently based on the social implications from cultural meanings attached to skin color. So what are your thoughts about that and how does it speak to you? For me, um, it's so deep, discrimination itself, because it, it, can, it can start from the eyes, which you see on the person, mm -hmm. but really the discrimination of colorism is, is so much deeper in sense of culture and how you carry yourself and how you're perceived uh, across the board. So for, for someone like me, I can be perceived different ways. There could be someone of my culture who doesn't think I'm good enough to be in the space. There could be someone of a different culture who does resemble me, but is not a Latino and say as well, she's not black enough to be here. Mm -hmm. Then you have yeah. the other side who, is already the majority in this country and sees you and doesn't want you here because they yeah. just don't want you here. So it's, it's important to assess that colorism goes to so many different spectrums. It could be the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, what block you grew up on, what, what place you hail from. Um, colorism is really difficult because it kind of takes opportunity from you before people even get to know you. Absolutely. Absolutely. They don't even know where you come from, what you work for. Yeah, and then that's that's a way of even in our own culture. That's you know, that's a way of dividing, um, dividing ourselves into uh, cliques. Uh, I'm not gonna mm -hmm. mess around with these people, or I'm gonna use this person or use us. I, I hate the term negrito. They always they always come to me and they be like, oh, el negrito, ven negrito, ven, and they look at me like I'm there's like I'm supposed to do work for them, like because I'm, <laughs> right. I'm negrito, I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to be carrying yeah, the, masa. the yeah. load yeah. and shit. It's kind of like um, the Americans have this term. I don't know if you see South Park that one of the characters, the black one, his name is Token. Okay, and he's yeah, yeah. Because he's the token black kid yeah. in the show. That's see, so see, that's funny because I've been watching so South Park. I've been watching South Park for a long time and I didn't even catch that. You just put me on <laughs> oh, right yeah, now. Yeah, you didn't catch that. <laughs> I know, I know. The That's like one of my favorite shows. And I, I, I have a, you just put me on right now. That's crazy. They have so much. Que te tiran. They have yeah. so much in that show that you, sometimes you got to really watch it again and be like, wow, sure. I didn't even catch that. But it's so embedded, like it's so embedded in all of us. So like I am like Meso-Indigenous phenotypically, right? And so you look at me and I look very, very Indigenous. indigenous. Although my family has no known connect like we don't know who which tribe or who on surface yeah on the surface but like we don't know it's through like slavery and whatever like we it's been like erased from our from our families but that colonialism right that that belief of like uh categorization of people still remains so like i remember as a kid my mom always saying like right like that was such an important thing whatever you do whoever you marry make sure la raza 
But as a kid, you don't really understand what no that te, means. No te case con un blanco, con un prietico. Oh, well, con un blanco. yeah, uh -huh. it's always the, my, my grandma used to tell me, really? I, will, I will come out the grave and kill you if you marry a man darker than you. Yeah, no, <laughs> but it's literally like this understanding of like, you can't, you're, you're, the whole understanding of improving your race is lightening your race. Mm -hmm. And so like, I still mm -hmm. remember a kid, my mom saying that and saying, well, you know, you should really marry yourself a white man with, with blonde hair and blue eyes because you're going to have babies with dark hair and, and blue eyes and babies are going to be beautiful. And it's just like, and I remember being a kid thinking like, oh, okay, not really understanding what that means. And yeah. as an adult being like, yo, that's fucked up, yo. <laughs> like, that's not And okay. there's so many things that, that go together with it. Like for me, like let's say in DR and DR, if you're from Santiago, you're like, oh, you're cool because Santiago is a place where there's more light-skinned people. That's where Trujillo's from. So you're more likely connected with uh, white people or Spaniards. And it's like, really understand what, what has happened in DR. Just an example, how divided both sides are. And they're more divided because of this confusion of who was here first, who was here last, who did this, who did that. And they both understand that an outside person, an outside country, outside culture had a big hand in separating the both of you. But hundreds of years later, we're still confused as fuck, and we yeah. hate each other even more. I mean, Dominican Republic, and it's even worse out there where we at a point that we've kicked people out legally. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like Dominican Republic, it's like with uh, amongst the black nations, they are a laughing stack because they don't we don't consider ourselves black. Like black, tell, yeah, they laugh. You tell a black Dominican, yeah, if you tell if you tell if you tell a, a, a Dominican that you look Haitian, they want to fight you. Like Woo! literally, they want to fight you. Like they, they want to fight go. you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't what? tell somebody. You can't I'm tell them you're Haitian. They hate hearing it. Like, it's what? very sad. But it's like we, should, it's we so, share an island, right? Like like ge like geographically, like there is no way. That no type you share of an island, you share history, you share blood. There is no way. And even if that's not the case, what benefit is this? What a benefit has this energy brought you in the past hundred years? Mm -hmm. If people think that that election that was just thrown right before the coronavirus yeah. started was a mistake, those things happen because of the confusion you have within your own country. Mm -hmm. These things would not happen if you were clear on who you are and where you stand. It's it's really sad because it's it's slowing the it slows people so down. It slows humanity down. Absolutely. So quickly, I don't know if you know, but I don't know if you know, but if you can tell our audiences what's happening in Dominican Republic, because you mentioned the elections and other different things. Yeah, there so was, can, yeah. there were like can you talk as far as I know, I'm not too well versed, but I do know that there was an election, um, I believe, in early February or January before before carnival season. And um, there was a candidate that was slated to win and he was the candidate that was vote for. And then the country, either I believe they switched off as to who won, or they just completely nullified and voided the entire election mm -hmm. in a democracy. So they just said all votes are ineligible. I believe that they actually had just implemented a brand new voting system yeah, that cost the people however many millions of dollars of their own money to end up throwing the election. Mm. So they right. took money from the people, additional taxes, additional money from the whole year or whatever the case is, you know, increases over the year. And now they completely threw the election and people were protesting. And I, at this point, I don't even know where things have ended up because the coronavirus started. Exactly. Which is crazy. So conveniently. Totally. And then, I mean, and also like throughout the past few years, right, there's mm. like this huge issue in the country and frankly, in lots of countries throughout Latin America around feminicide, um, this, uh, the, I mean, he's still the current president um, and his terrible freaking policies against women and trying to over police bodies of women the, the bodies of women as well um super homophobic super xenophobic so it's like all these like like 
isms that this current president has. Yeah. Um, that just, you know, all a big, bigger. And, and they're all, and honestly, that the energy that's being celebrated here is creating that kind of energy to be welcomed mm -hmm. in DR. He already was removed from running as president, but Trujillo's grandson was actually running for president. And by law, he cannot run for president. His whole family is outlawed from running for anything in the government. And he was almost a candidate to the extent of being voted on. And one of his main points was to definitely build a big wall between Haiti and DR. <laughs> Because he's going to keep I mean, pushing the same shit his family always pushed. Hate. That's number Straight 45 hate. just opened the door to all the crazies to come out to from all, all over the world. Yep. All over the world. Yeah, that same natural. But I think, yeah. I can't stand him, but I welcome, I welcome the conversation that it has opened up. Because Absolutely. there are a lot of people who are telling you to your face, I'm Dominican, I'm Black, and if you don't like it, then you're going to have to go pick up a book. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of conversations that maybe aren't there weren't happening into the into the extent that they were supposed to happen 10 years ago but now they're on the table Listen, you're yep. racist you're karen that's it and we're not so that's where we're going to and we're not getting away from that but if you don't like it then don't be around me a group of karens are not called a complaint like i'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> that was like my favorite meme of the coronavirus it's so bad yeah they can't they can't stand to hear it but when they call you shaniqua every time they see yeah. you that's okay yeah, so when they call you Laquisha, that's okay. Uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, or something. Oh, Maria. Oh, yeah. You know, there, there was um. I don't know if you know Wepa Hand Farms. Um, shout out yeah. to them, Wepa Hand Farms. So I was um working with them. I was volunteering. He was telling me a story of a that he went to a to a farm so he can start um building um his his brand. So when he went to the farm, so they can start talking about um using some of the acreage to to grow some hemp uh the guy was introducing some of the workers and this guy his name is jose but he was calling him marlin and this guy's been working the way he said it the way so the story the way the story the, goes because you're gonna the way the he story. said it the way he said it was <laughs> the way he said it was that they were having a conversation so the whole time he was referring to jose as marlin so marlin and marlin and marlin's been working with me for 10 years he's been doing this he's a good worker he's this guy he's this guy and then when he went and asked Marlon, yo, Marlon, ven acá. He said, ¿Quién es Marlon? Yo, mi nombre es José. Yo le dije que mi nombre es Marlon ya porque... Él me dio ese nombre. So you tell him whatever name it is, fucking me hable ya, because yeah. you're not going to get my name, so call me whatever the hell you want, ya. <laughs> it's like, Toby, Toby. My name's not Toby, right? It's Punta Quinte, right? It's just like, come on, yo, how are you renaming us? <laughs> that, that is best. Fifteen yes. years being, named, being told this is your wrong. This is the wrong fucking name because you can't call me a fucking Jose or whatever my and name. And if he corrects him enough times, he'll get fired. Yeah. 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 Oh no! Now, now he thinks something special. Uh, yeah. About but I feel like oh, I mean, we could get off on a whole other. We're gonna. This is the whole thing. But I just like, I hate it when people they look at our last name, our surnames, and I was like, oh, I'm not even gonna try that. I went to school in a predominantly white neighborhood. Do you know how many how difficult it is for someone who is a monolingual Spanish speaker to learn English? And her first teacher's name is like a, a really complicated Polish last name with Z's and Y's. It's 13 letters long. And as a kindergartner, I had to I had to memorize, I had to, of course, know my teacher's names. And it wasn't Mrs. P, it was Mrs. Whatever. Like I had to really learn, learn how to say their names without a doubt. And it's just like, damn, 
you're you're stumbling off of my little six letters, and yet I had to learn your complicated last name, and you won't even try. Your right. Name. And you get right because their their names are civilized, and your name yeah. is not civilized. No. Yeah. It's those, yeah. Those uh, oh, you don't even belong here. I shouldn't <laughs> have to say your name. You should have an American name. Exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't so, even be here. American. That, but that, even that, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'm sure there's speak American, but they can't speak two languages. <laughs> but they only speak one language. Exactly. Go to another country, get angry. No one speaks English. Hey, you can't do shit. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, what about, you know, colorism is like really bad, but it's even, it's bad on both parts, but it's even worse when it's your own people. Yes. Or your own people that you consider your people, but there's, it's almost like there are people who are like-minded and understand where you're coming from, like yourselves, who know the, the understanding of like how deep this colorism stuff goes, but then there are some people who, who benefit from it, who mm -hmm. like that there's the separation that they can put themselves above others or kind of under others or push these over there. This is very sad. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think of it from the perspective of like, like I, I had a, a really good friend of mine who was Cuban or who is Cuban, who really turned around and was just like, well, you know, in terms of the hierarchies of Latinos, really Cubans are on the top of the food chain. And then, you know, there's everyone else. And I really, literally turned, I was just like, But you gotta, you, you gotta be a specific Cubans because it cannot be black Cubans no, either. No, you gotta no, be the, friend, the, the white No, Cubans. he's talking about the ones that look white yeah. with the blue eyes. Yeah. The ones who moved to Miami, yeah. who build up their, all their, mo their money, who left before, before or shortly after the revolution. You know there are I mean? a lot of Cubans in New Jersey. Yeah. Because I actually live in Jersey, and I, my whole life, when I was living in Brooklyn, I think I only knew one Cuban my whole life. And then when I moved to Union City, it was like all of them were there. Yeah, like they all came there because of the needle trades, because of textiles, and so the, yes, all yes, the factories they came in. They yeah. needed to work. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. Union City has like a sign like that. It says uh, the the textile something of the world, yeah. the textile yeah. home of the world, or something. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that before when you drive in Union City. Yeah, no. So like, yeah, it's it's huge, but it's also this perspective of like. I still remember working on a on a on a union organizing campaign, and um, one of the workers was undocumented. And then I remember talking to him, and my or organizing director is a like a white Cuban man, and he's talking to this guy who's an Afro Cuban. I was like, wait, how are you undocumented? Aren't you like, don't you got like amnesty? Don't they give you like the full package and everything? No. And he's like, no. I mean, have Not you seen Scarface? Um, even in Scarface, uh, they put them in cages. But that was it. I mean, no, no, no. But I'm saying, even even the movie yeah, yeah. Scarface. They putting the they putting them in cages. Yes, they had concentration also, camps. But it's totally down. But it was down racial lines even at that point. Yeah, and it depends. It like it depends what what time period they came yes. as yeah. to where like they'll fall fall on that spectrum. Marielitos, yeah, like all of them. The different waves coming. All right, so let's talk a little bit about you and your brand. Um, talk to us about how it was formed and what's your inspiration. So I really um. Like I said, it started kind of like when I started smoking uh, at the time, which was like maybe like 10, 11 years ago, there wasn't really any type of online presence. And, you know, everyone had kind of like a blog and everything. So that's kind of where it started. And as social media progressed into like Instagram, um, I started making it more visual with art mm -hmm. and imagery and promotional stuff that I could make. And as the years went on, I created more of a platform online friends all over the place, friends here in New Jersey, New York City that can actually reach out and in 2017, there was an event in Union City where a couple of people from New York did a cannabis event mm -hmm. where it was cannabis for Latinos. And I don't even remember who sent it to me or who I saw it from, but I haven't really branched out and seen people like in my town, in my area, in New York that have like a whole cannabis community. So mm -hmm. at that event is kind of where I met a lot of people that we both know 
And from that's kind of when they were all starting out. So we kind of all started out at the same time. And I started getting to know people who were doing events, who were doing um, vending opportunities. And I started seeing dinner. a lot more. Yeah, yeah. pop-up dinners, things that I had only seen maybe in the West Coast that I didn't even know were going on here. Mm -hmm. So I just started collaborating with a lot of people, volunteering with Women Grow, volunteering uh, with different entities that work for cannabis, different West Coast people who ended up being here from time to time. We would collaborate with them. And eventually it got to a point where I branched out and did my, my first event where I kind of had people from New Jersey or New York come and hang out, shop. We create, uh, you know, the cannabis experience for them. So my brand is really me, but all the different parts of me, where it could be video work or speaking or graphics. Mm -hmm. The graphics kind of came into play because there weren't any graphics with dark skin with weed. Mm -hmm. Now there's billions Mark, and millions, yeah, but nice. legit 10 years ago, there was barely any. Like you could Google weed and joints and flower and you wouldn't find it. Of course, things have progressed because it's legal, it's different, it's branched out more. But for me, there was none of me. Yeah. And to be honest, at first, um, I didn't really show my face on Instagram mm -hmm. and I didn't do dark skin art. As time went on and I started getting more of a crowd, I started showing myself more and more parts of me because when I would do that initially, I would lose mad followers mm. and I would get no engagement because it was like most of the people that I had following me wasn't an East Coast uh, people. It was more like Middle America, West Coast, and yeah. they kind of really didn't want to see me. So yeah. at first I wouldn't really post me. I post weed, I post this, I post art, little snippets, smoking. Um, but then later on, I branched out to representing myself more and representing us more. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I represent everyone, but I really want to make sure that you see, when you see my brand, you see a Latino, a Dominican person, a female, someone that's here for everyone. This is my cannabis experience, but you can also relate to it. And you, and you know what's funny? Because you mentioned that 10 years ago, there was no imagery of us in the cannabis industry, even though we are the ones that made the cannabis industry what it is, um, either by our bodies being in jail or either by by using us to be consumers or whatever. Yes. Uh, we always hip -hop. Been, yeah, hip-hop. Yeah. We've always been um, Chich and Chong. we always been in the industry. And it's funny that, you know, that you say that you lose, that you lose followers because you were showing the actual people that is doing the work in the industry. Yeah, that was behind it, yeah. Yeah, and that was more at first. And I used to also have people who used to leave like nasty comments, like, oh, your blunts look like shit. Um, you can't fucking roll, blah, 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 <laughs> this, that, and the third. Yeah, like people don't have the boss to leave shit like that now. But before they would leave me all kinds of shit like that. I'm like, bro, this is crazy. Like, I can't even show myself. <laughs> Haters. So it's like, I feel like um, because of the stigma that we go through, because of the stigma that we go through, people feel, I guess, like corny taking pictures of themselves when they were smoking before. But I don't really know if it was that selfies weren't really a thing um people didn't really post themselves smoking on the internet i guess because it just wasn't more socially yeah. acceptable it's become more socially acceptable over the absolutely. years absolutely i mean it's changed tremendously over the years and i think that's interesting i think the other thing is uh just going back to like this whole idea around colorism audrey funk who is uh an artist that we had on a panel and then we've also had her on our um on our Rhythm live and, show our live show that we did rhythm, well, rhythm and vibes rhythm and vibes, vibes mm -hmm. and rhythm, rhythm and vibes um she talked about her experience in mexico and how you know brown and black bodies even within mexico have been continued to be criminalized she's like but you know there's a segment of people who live in mexico city 
who are white. She calls them a wax, a white chickens. White chickens. White chickens. Who <laughs> you know? They're she's like they're hipsters. They're these like white Mexican hipsters who smoke. We smoke. She like because they smoke cool. because it's cool, and it's okay for them. They're not getting stopped. They're not getting stopped. Things get legalized, and you know things legalized in Mexico similar to here, right? They have different states. Medical. Um. They do have medical, but at the end of the day, it's still brown and black bodies that are mm-hmm. getting Arrested. sent to jail, um, that are getting um, harassed and, and constantly, you know, feeling the wrath of, um, of the state. Um, meanwhile, you know, little the hipsters, uh, it's okay for them. They get to chill. Yeah. The hipster and the Yeah, This is what a lot of people are starting to realize that I think the Vietnam War and the attack on the Black Panthers kind of for years took away all of that open-mindedness that people had and then drugs and music and all kinds of debauchery rolled in. So we've, we've lost like 30, 40 years of education and we're here again, where there has been movements of Afro-Colombians, Afro-Cubans, Afro-Dominicans, Afro-Puerto Ricans. There has been plenty of movements. The problem is that people don't listen and the governments don't let them rock. But there is definitely a bad, a, a very strong bad effort from all governments around the world to literally mutilate black bodies. Absolutely. That is their thing. That is their favorite thing to make sure that you realize that you shouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean they they don't teach they don't teach us in the school. They don't teach us about the the Black Panthers. They don't. They can't. They don't don't want to. The young lords. They don't teach us about um, our history. Start when slavery, right? They want you. They want you to keep yourself in check under the white man. They want you to make sure that you don't function outside of the economic structure that they've given you. Mm -hmm. Stay in your place and stay quiet. Yeah, but I think like even to your point about Cesar Chavez, right? Like they they launched Cesar Chavez as like this great leader. No one talks about Dolores Huerta. He wouldn't be mm-hmm. shit without her, right? So it's just like it's even like there's a layer of like colorism and racism, right? And then the and then sexism. there's like yeah, and then there's like you know paternal like the paternalistic uh, mm-hmm. framework in which they put on put things as well. So yeah, they don't want to teach folks that because if you start teaching young kids that people black, actually brown, have the ability, brown kids yeah br- brown and black, black and kids, brown kids that people actually have the ability to stand up and fight back and actually win then it changes the narrative completely then you actually are you're questioning the same system that's been, that's been pushed in front of you that and been told that this is what you have to eat because you can't do any, any better like mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna give you um an example too about that it's it's like african-americans and and their freedom um, when they got their freedom, the people that, the, the artists that created the Statue of Liberty uh, created a different image. In the image of black yeah, women. Yeah, a different yeah. image of, yeah. of the Statue of Liberty. It was a black woman with her yes. arms raised and An broken chains. Black yeah. Features, yeah. Like That's the reason why she was set in bronze, because it was yeah. a gift from, from France to honor the actual builders of this country. Yeah. And, and honoring the that they moved on to ab- abolishing slavery like you already uh 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 catch up to the whole world from from abolishing slavery mm-hmm. and this is a gift and they didn't put that statue up they sent it back and they were like dude like you can't put that up here you're like you can't you can't show uh these black people that they are free that they have power or anything like that like you're crazy and then that's why we have the Statue of Liberty that we have now that people don't know it has a chain because the the audit the audit said like I can change the image but you have to leave the chains and then the United States were said oh if you can you can leave the chain but it got to be on the feet so if you go to the Statue of Liberty she has a chain on the feet but you don't see that yes. you don't see that in on TV because they don't show her feet like the image yeah. of the 
to oblivion it's only from yeah from like the belly up that's yeah. it so um i think when you go to it if you've ever been i went as a child and when you go as a child i think you can sit on her feet yeah. like inside you can go to the feet part not now no but this is what i was like <laughs> five but when i went i remember the chains on her feet because i got pictures of it yeah i remember the chains because i found that weird as fuck why she had chains on her feet i never yeah. forgot that lady liberty right like that's yeah the whole... and that's the whole point but they didn't they, they don't teach us that history in our school because that will so you know like social media is so complicated same as like what you said how we free we were free and we were we abolished slavery a lot of the reason why, not a lot of the reason, because I don't want to sound like Kanye West, but <laughs> <laughs> there are so many different things that afflict a human being. And most of them are based on survival. Yeah. And, and I can't even say the word, unfortunately, people make choices that don't benefit all of us to, for them to survive. Yeah. Such as the times like Geronimo, Geronimo, the Native American leader was given up by his own people mm -hmm. because they wanted to be on the white man's side. And that's a sense of freedom. That's a sense of me staying on the side of freedom, but that's also me paying loyal to these new people that I now maybe kind of care about and kind of see myself being around. Yeah. So I end up betraying my own. Um, there are a lot of different people, Medgar Evers, Marcus Garvey, their entire platform, when they would speak to the people was to kind of leave certain black people behind. Because if you wanna stay in the white man's world then you can stay here if you want. Yeah. But this world is not for us because they're not here to serve us. They will never serve us. They will never give us what we deserve. They will try to take it from us every time. They'll give you this and then they'll give you a whole bunch of others. They're like, okay, you can have your freedom. Here's some crack too. For sure. I mean, that's and 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 some of the programs, like the free food programs that they got in in, in public schools right now, they was established by the Black Panthers. Mm -hmm. so, they they take our ideas and then they make it their own. They and then they and, and then they say that is that well, like, the trend. The um food stamps and um food assistance in schools ended yeah. up being implemented nationwide, mostly because of I think Ted Kennedy, no, not Robert Kennedy, Ted Kennedy, one of the brothers, the one that was running for president, but he ended up getting into a nasty yeah. accident. So he died like maybe in the last 10 years or so. But one of his main efforts was making food stamps and um assistance in schools nationwide. Like you know, some of them are fucked up, but some of the candidates actually really care about lower class because they know, they know dies, what it is. They know what they're... No, Ted Kennedy was around for a long time. He had like a... Like a brain because brain. he got into an accident with his mistress. Oh. And no man is going to get elected after being caught with his mistress in the car. Actually, I think she died. She died in the accident and he got a real nasty um back, back situation where he couldn't really walk the right way. So it's like you get caught up with his lady in your car. What kind of American public is going to respect you enough to make you a president? Yeah, yeah. So See, for him, his presidency was dead. Like he could no longer even try to run. They knew that. Oh, if even if he runs, he's not going to win. Yeah, because of this. <laughs> yeah, because he disgraced himself. Yeah, yeah. And now we have dirt on him. Um, so, uh, can you tell us about your events? Why inspires to? Why inspires you to curate live art shows? So live um, my events are um, they're more of a shopping experience. And um, I started doing them because I felt that we were kind of lacking on female organizing events. Mm. Um, but really, it's my events are created to bring local local vendors together, to bring local companies together, each one having their own reason why they should be there, to get to know you so you can see some honest people that are usually people of color who work in the cannabis community. I have done some of them that focused on art, but really the whole thing is the experience of you coming to a spot to shop 
maybe dressing nice or dressing down however you choose you're amongst like-minded people you can come by yourself you'll feel comfortable enough to do so you can come with a group and you just chill out and vibe have some food listen to some music and just have like an overall experience like you're not in your house smoking in your bathroom like you're not alone smoking a blunt you're amongst so many people who are all trying new things who are all drinking something infused or trying some new infused food from this new brand from Jersey or from this group of girls from Brooklyn. Um, it's just important for us to see ourselves organizing stuff because there are a lot of people who yeah. organize stuff in New York City and New Jersey. And I, um, I feel like certain events are catered to a certain kind of people and you can kind of see that they don't want you there. <laughs> like even when you go, you don't hear hip hop. You don't hear nothing hood. You don't hear nothing loud. You don't even see Dutchess. It's like all this bougie shit. Like, listen, yeah. we all, we already have enough bougie shit. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, I'm, and I and I'm and I appreciate the work that you are doing because you know, like people like that do not know their tribe, that do not know that they can be open about smoking, that they come out of they can come out of the closet and and just be themselves uh, because it's a taboo. Uh, at the end of the day, even though it's more um socially social socially acceptable now uh still it's hard for people to find a place where they can be themselves and smoke weed and nobody can nobody's judging them even though you yeah. six packs uh, of of beers a day you you you're looking at me weird because i'm, I'm oh yeah they have an alcohol <laughs> they have an alcohol i mean i'm just saying like, they're getting me sick on instagram with the with the liquor me the liquor, I mean, I, yeah okay very good I mean, but what Very I'm saying good. is that um, I just don't want people that drink looking at me weird because I'm smoking. You know what I'm saying? Because right. drinking. And they do. And they do. And, That's and, why you got to hit them with, listen, there are over 23 states legalized for medical. Period. I, These are doctors, you know? CEOs, a lot of the CEOs in, in these in, in this companies, cannabis companies, they don't even smoke. And they then don't. they looking at us as customers and, and dollar signs, and you don't even know the product. Like you cannot go to a winery and, and ask the owner, oh, how's your wine? And he's going to tell you, oh, I don't drink wine. You're going to drink from there? Right, that's impossible. I'm not going to drink. It's very true. <laughs> like, and there know? are a lot of people like that. So if you're not smoking your product, like why are you coming into my community? Like, come on, man. Like you don't even smoke weed. So I think that's, you know. That's, that's why it's important for people to kind of, if you can try to, not really family, but whoever you can approach to change their mind, I would say now is the time because there's so much positivity being put out. Like right now is a prime time. Look at how cannabis was deemed essential during everything that's going on. For it to be, even though it's still federally illegal and it is deemed essential, it just shows you that it's necessary. It should not be treated at any rate like some sort of a street drug or anything like that. That is not what it is. It's medicine. It always has been. And and to your point to of the cannabis business being essential, uh, now is the time for us, the organizers, to not take this as not take this as a victory, but take this as a step for us to organize even harder now. Because yeah. you cannot have this as you cannot have this essential industry and still federally illegal and still having bodies in jail cells uh, for selling something that is deemed essential worldwide not just in the united states this is an essential business worldwide because if you go to all these countries that have legalized you can see the data that you know it went up as soon as the coronavirus hit um the uh -huh. sales went up because people needed um like alcohol people needed something to cope with what was happening and what is happening right now 
so now us, the organizers, we need to make sure that we put um, their food in their throat and make sure that they pass a legalized law uh, for cannabis that is, you know, equitable for communities that's him, that has been impacted by the war on drugs. So mm-hmm. and how with your, with your um, events um, and the things that you are doing visually, how are you educating communities of color about the, the negatively, um, how cannabis can affect them possibly, um, possibly, how can it affect them? Like how you educate? So I try to, um, I try to have as much information that I can share on my page when I'm on there. Um, when I actually do the events, we try to give people some sort of disclaimers for how they can carry themselves while they're at the actual events. Um, while we've had the events, we've had some vendors who have promotional information that they provide, that they have. Um, a lot of them actually have really good relationships with the customers if they continue to shop afterwards with them. And a lot of them are very well versed on their products and um, dosage and things like that. So they're able to give them more information on it. But me, I try to be a beacon of information when I can be. I feel like, um, I feel like, I kind of feel like the information that we put out for cannabis is very general sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of always the war on drugs, the war on drugs, lobbying, 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 lobbying. But it's never about how can I talk to my grandmother about CBD? Mm. Like, how can, como lo puedo decir a mi abuela que empiece a ponerse esta crema? You know, like, how can we talk about that? So on my, um, which I know you're going to ask me later. So I have another platform that's um, based more on that, which I'm, kind of trying to think of go into it go into it don't worry about it well i have the jane doe which is another uh instagram page but it's really just another side platform the jane doe company and it's really the jane doe because jane doe is you know when they find a body and they call it jane doe (laughs) we don't know the name it could be anybody (laughs) see see my my thought here it could be anyone so i try to post even if it's a simple by 2022 cannabis industry will be at this amount of uh income and every single whatever will be estimated to be a $25 billion industry. I'll post that in Spanish. Okay. I've posted definitions in Spanish. I've posted imagery of uh, dosing or what dabbing looks like or explanations like that on that page strictly in Spanish. So if you want to share it to your aunt, you want to share it to your mom, you want to show it to her and discuss it with her, like, look, someone took the time to translate this into Spanish so we, so we can discuss it so you can understand what I'm smoking. Because sometimes some of us don't care but a lot of people do want to talk to their family about what they do. They don't want to be the crackhead. They literally want their family to know I'm smoking. It does nothing to me. I'm very calm. I'm very grateful for it. Please just accept me. Yeah, like, like it took me till now to get like that. It's like somebody taking medicine for the diabetes. It's like I'm taking my medicine for my PTSD. Yeah. My- like they're not telling you, oh, you're shooting up. You're shooting up insulin. No, this is medicine. Yeah, 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 for sure. So. A follow-up question on that. So do you feel that the cannabis industry has enough information translated to the Latinx community so they can, one, have the knowledge of what the, the endocannabinoid system is and the different cannabinoids that the plants have and, and the medicinal um, uh, uh, purposes of the plant and also um, information on how to succeed if they want to start a business in the industry is there enough information for our people um that want to be you know caught up in the industry i I would say um i haven't really seen too much spanish uh promotional material or any type of translated material that discusses explicitly how to get into the industry but there is definitely a lot of publications in spanish um such as drug policy alliance they have like a whole page 
of okay. English, French, Spanish. Uh, if you go to the California state website, they have all kinds of documentation uh, translated in different languages for families, for parents, for children. I think Denmark, um, Switzerland, there's a lot of websites that have, they have presentations, they have PowerPoints, so you can talk to your children about hemp. So you can talk to your children about the plant. So there's so much information that every day comes out because remember, this is, this is uh, legal in a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. And so they have to have verbiage. They have to have, like, when you go to, you know, the Department of Education, you go to a public school, when you go to, when you see the document that your kid brought back, like a notice from the principal, on the back, it's usually in Spanish or it's translated in different categories and different paragraphs on the page. So different languages can understand it. So, like, if it's legislation, the state actually has to provide some sort of documentation so you can understand even at the bare minimum. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people working hard. I don't really feel like there are, there are a lot of Latinos. But a lot of them don't speak Spanish. Give them a shout so out. Like, like, if our if our listeners want to get in touch with people that are doing work on, in the Latino community, Latinx community, who should they reach out to? Besides they should reach yourself. out to you, Blue Jim Radio. They should also reach out to Canna Bogada, uh, Blunted Bruja, Jaime Madre. Uh, there are so many different people um, that I might maybe once you have it up, I might like rehash it and maybe post it up just to have like a proper listing. But there are a lot of good people that are uh, Sonia who works with MRCC. Um, she has a different Instagram name now, but she actually works building um, different co-ops, cannabis co-ops, cooperative okay. um, programs. And she's she has a couple of successful ones under her belt. She's a Harvard graduate. Um, she's a fucking bombshell. Like she just does all kinds of shit. <laughs> she does all kinds of stuff. Um, there's uh Emma Linda, there's so many different people. Um, this girl that you just had, Pilar, so many different people that um, are out here working hard. For sure, for sure. We up to here. Um, so oh, no, we already did. Um, what challenges have you encountered in the industry as an Afro-Latina? Um, challenges? I wouldn't, I don't really want to come off negative because I've had a lot of support, but um, I think embracing the distinction while still being acknowledged as a black person is very hard for a lot of people. Like they're still coming into that understanding that there is black Latinos. Mm -hmm. And just because they tell you, oh, but Dominicans never claim they're black. That's nice, I do. So let's <laughs> move forward and move away from the negativity and actually embrace the ones who are embracing everything about them. Um, I've actually had a, a, lot, a lot of support in, in terms of my platform, it's really been like incredible how much help that I've had in the people that I help and the people who I found who also speak Spanish. I actually did an event, I don't remember if you guys were there in Harlem with Women Grow, they did a Latinx event yeah, yeah, in October. On, on 137th and, and after. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that was very nice. There was a couple of people there that that really work hard, um, Body Care Airbus, um, yeah. and um, Jaime Madre Miriam, and um, kind of Ogada, like there's just so many different people that have embraced what I do. So I really, I really can't tell you that I've had that many challenges. Like I've, obviously there are challenges that we deal with every day, you know, really, really being seen, being felt for what we do over our white counterparts or other Latino counterparts or light-skinned Latino counterparts, which is actually much harder. Like I'll give you a small example of something negative. Um, I think someone was talking on someone else's page who's a Latino uh, girl in the cannabis industry. And so somebody left a comment on her page that she didn't really see a lot of things happening for Hispanic Heritage Month. Okay. And, you know, 
she kind of just basically said it to her, a light-skinned Latino woman, that she hasn't seen anything. Well, that's because you're not looking. <laughs> like, there's plenty of us out here doing shit. There's plenty of Black Latinos doing Hispanic heritage shit for cannabis. And I at her, and I at the other girl, too. I'm like, there's plenty of us out here doing shit. So let like, me so if you want to act like she's the only one that you see, that's up to you. Yeah, so let me give you the info so you know. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Since you don't know, yeah. here's one. And now you can see one that we're definitely doing stuff because just because she's not doing it doesn't mean that other people in cannabis aren't doing it because there's plenty of Latinos out here. That shit got me so upset. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. shit got me so, so upset because these bitches, they say shit like underhanded and it's like, bro, listen, I understand that you might not see things because you might not see them and that's okay, but don't say it because now you're going to be addressed because that's not the case. Like yeah, there's so a whole a group of people out here. So I'm going to rephrase it. So how you see us as a community, um, we are being viewed as by the industry, like, you know, the people with the suits and all these people that's making the real money. How do you see us? How do you see them view and how they view us in the industry? I think they know that financially we're not in the same place as them, but I do think that they see us as a threat because we are organizing a lot faster than they would want us to do. And there aren't really that many more things they could throw at us to thwart us anymore. So all we can do at this point is just continue joining hands and really supporting each other and finding ways to support each other and just kind of weeding out the people who aren't doing anything and are just trying to leech on because they know that we're here. And like you said before, that there are people who work in the cannabis industry and don't smoke. So they don't even know the quality of their product or even imbibe in it. Um, there are people who, who get celebrities behind their brand and their brand doesn't do shit. Because yeah. real smokers don't care who the fuck is behind it. If it's Snoop Dogg or Wiz Khalifa yeah, yeah, or yeah, Burner yeah. from Cali, Willie Nelson, you know that they're going to put quality in their product because they really smoke. But aside from that, we would rather deal with each other, with grassroots, with actual cannabis entrepreneurs, people from Instagram that you've seen smoking all the time that do hundreds of bong videos and hundreds of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unboxing, showing you stuff. Like We trust our community more than we trust the bigger names and they're still going to make money because they're rich that's that goes without being said but you do see them reach out to us because they need our help to reach everybody Absolutely. like this this is a great opportunity for minorities in cannabis there's just there's just so much opportunity as long as there's proper organization so we're up to hector's here it's our excuse me freedom segment <laughs> i guess you can edit that uh called just for fun so we're going to, going to ask you a couple of questions and kind of change things up a little bit. Although this has actually been a pretty awesome uh, uh, conversation. conversation that we've had. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so what age were you when you first smoked or consumed the plant? And how was your... I was old. <laughs> in, the eyes of, in the eyes of when people smoke, I was 19. Oh, man. I was 19 turning 20. I was oh, wow. 21. <laughs> Dude. I was so ignorant. I swore weed was like crack. Oh, me too. Like, like you couldn't tell me. I'm like, dude, you're a crackhead. I'm not having it. Don't come near me. Yeah, I mean, with <laughs> the medicine. brought me a book and they're like, bro, I know we're brainwashed to think so much, so much stupid. We're brainwashed to think anything African-Americans do a lot is like, like, don't be like them. Yeah. Don't look like them. Don't breathe like them. Dude, I can't. My mom still to this day hates when I braid my hair. Yo, when I put when I got my first tattoo, my mom saw it and she was like, Tu quieres ser uno de esos prieto. And they go, Yo, mommy, but you know that white people got more tattoos than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Why you don't say 
¿Por qué tú no quieres ser blanquito? Tú quieres ser blanquito. Why you don't say that? You don't say like that. That pena, because it's a disservice to ourselves. Oh, but you said, um, the experience, honestly, like, I was fucking hallucinating. Like, the first few times I smoked, I was hallucinating. The first time I saw, like, fucking rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> and then the second time, I saw Freddy Krueger. Like, I fell asleep and I woke up and he was there. Like, hey. <laughs> you know what you were smoking? Shit, you yo. know what you were smoking? What you were shit. Some shit. <laughs> Some good shit. That was crazy. You hallucinate so much the first few years. Like I remember going like this and seeing my hands like a hundred times. It was like and who you was with? You was you was dolo was like, by yourself? No, I was with friends. I was with friends. No, I wouldn't do it by myself. I was afraid I was gonna fucking hallucinate or kill myself. Yeah, the first time I spoke by myself, I hallucinated. I was going crazy. I was like, oh my god, what I do? what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? I was going crazy. That was crazy. Yo, I couldn't smoke by myself till maybe like a good two years into smoking like by myself by myself when i was smoking by myself at first you know, i would get nauseous nervous paranoid it was almost like i just couldn't do it alone it was, was weird wrong was it perfect the first time how was no it? no one's perfect the first time <laughs> the first time i rolled no but i'm like you that so it was good i rolled the dutch and i was with a friend so we smoked like four blunts and now it's not nada but then it was bad yeah. have you ever been comatose yeah. No. Like, Yo, I couldn't get up from her couch. Like, I didn't get up from her couch. I had to fall asleep there. I couldn't get up. Like, it was like, I was just like this. I never I got could not. In my life. Oh, my God. It was the worst shit ever. It used to happen to me a couple of times back then when I was smoking a lot. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. And then my stupid bitch friend, she goes into her fucking room with her stupid boyfriend, and the bitch never comes out. Wow. That's and a, left me there dying. That's a yo. I hate. I hate yo. I hate people. I, yo, yo, my, yo, yo, people do that shit to me. I'd be like, yo, I don't think we can be friends no more. Mi hermano, yo lo dejé de like as a vegetable. By myself. But by, by my listen, and we had just seen. We were college uh, classmates. We hadn't seen each other in a while. We're hanging out. Okay, I understand. But like, you live with your man. Like you couldn't yeah. go in your room another time. You can wait. Uh, you can wait. Yeah, he can wait. Uh, I woke up like seven something, eight in the morning, and that whole time, ella nunca salió. Damn. She never came outside to check on me. To, I think, and then after the fact, she was so embarrassed. We spoke years later. Um, she was so embarrassed that she let that happen. She just didn't come out to check on me. She didn't call me to see if I got home safe. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, that's terrible. Well, at least you guys both mm-hmm. afterwards, but yeah. still, damn, y'all. That's fucking traumatizing. All right. Yo. Favorite strain? Favorite strain is forbidden fruit. Mm, I love that one, too. Why? It's super fruity. I have this one. Uh, it's fruity, but it's strong as hell. Like, this one is orange daiquiri, and it's kind of just as fruity, but mm. um, it's not as strong as forbidden fruit. It's strong, though, but it's, it's like a different, like, forbidden fruit is pungent it's fucking purple yo can you show it because I, I know you have your own your own customized uh uh, uh, uh containers ah there you go so can you explain to people who don't who can't see this our podcast listeners what what they're looking at yes so i had uh mrcc my friends in massachusetts they have that's the massachusetts recreational cannabis council they actually work directly with the Massachusetts government to set legislation for the people. They are great. They were great. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts is great in terms of legislation. Yeah, yeah. So I saw one day that they posted Calyx containers, C-A-L-Y-X containers. 
and they make um, sustainable containers. So they take about 10 years, but they break down. Okay. And they break down into the environment naturally, but it takes about eight to 10 years. So I found that interesting. I reached out to them. We spoke um, and they asked me if I wouldn't mind, I guess not promoting for them, but just like, just like talking about them and kind of just, you know, letting people know. So they did pretty well. I don't really know how many customers they got, but from what I heard from someone else who ended up ordering with them, they told them that they got mad customers from me posting them. So one day they're like, oh, we got a shipment for you. And they sent me a bunch of these. Oh, those nice. are Different mm-hmm. there's there's they're different sizes oh nice. there's different sizes see like este is the 45 dram 25 dram there's the 15 dram and i have a real big one too but i don't feel that one so that's too much <laughs> <weed>. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. they also make um wax containers that are glass they make okay. uh point containers they're very and like i told you they're biodegradable that's the great. jars so they they're gonna break down at some point and like their whole fleet of stuff they're they're trying to make it as sustainable and recyclable at some point hopefully and like i think that's really important like i haven't dropped certain types of merch because me molesta to know that i'm putting more plastic out in the fucking world yeah for sure yeah and that it's also processed in a way that's also sustainable too right so like that the fact that the people who are making it are not you're not they're not making it in sweatshops i mean exactly like me like i'm i'm um i have my uh medical card I'm a, a medical patient. And how many bottles do I throw out? So many. So many bottles, so many plastic bottles that I throw out. But we recycle. But at the end of the day, even if we recycle those bottles. How much can you recycle? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's so crazy. if you could smoke with one famous person, dead, dead or alive, alive, who would it be and what would you talk about? Oh, my God. That's such a hard question. That's such a hard question. I honestly, like, I swear to God, because I know she smokes, it would be Beyonce. Yo, she's probably a pie. She's probably a pie for sure. Yeah. She has to smoke. And I just want to hear her talk about herself. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me the tea, please. Habla me the tea. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no, I mean, like, you with the good hair. Tell me who she is. Yes, get oh all my the God. Did you kick her ass? Oh I know you ass. You had the video. No, it wasn't her. It was Solange who kicked her ass. You said the you said you, the crazy you got the little, video. You know you, you got the, the video. Crazy, <laughs> you said the crazy little sister to do your dirty work. Dude, that that elevator video was insane. Yo. The best. Yo, you Did know, you see the a, whole one though? No. There was a bunch of people were saying that you know, conspiracy theorists, black people, that they were saying that they were selling their their daughter to the Illuminati or some shit like that, and that's why Solange was was beating on him. And no, no. Yeah, I that's what so. people would say. I was like, what? The I mean, heck? I wouldn't doubt that they're giving up their daughter, but I'm sure that they've already given up things themselves. You know, they're they're into that shit. Wherever they, they're billionaires for a reason. But I think you know, you seen how calm Homegirl was. I think somebody got a little too friendly, and since she knows how he gets down or got down, you know. She's not going to make a scene. She's not going to make a scene because she's her. And she's not going to make a scene because that bitch probably already embarrassed herself. But you know the industry don't talk. Mm-hmm. But your sister don't know your man moved like that. So that bitch was so mad that he did that. Because you saw how she beat his ass? Whoa, she beat out of him. Yo, she was he mad, mad. He was smart. No, no, he wasn't going to do that because he knows why she was mad. This is what I'm saying. He definitely did something at that moment because he couldn't really retaliate because he got caught. 
Beyonce don't care because I already know how you get down. Security don't care because he ain't gonna do nothing. The salon is gonna beat your ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, she was so mad. Yeah. So, <laughs> she was so fucking pissed. But it, I feel like that's like that is that's how we roll. You, like you fuck over one of them. Yeah. Us, She's he's up. been with her for years. That's his little sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's family business. Yeah. I was mad that I even saw that video because that's not my business. That's yeah, their nobody's business. business. <laughs> Unless he hit her, then that's everybody's business. See, and he didn't hit her, so thank God. Thank God, exactly. All right, so what have your family and friends said about your work? I would say um, my mom is more vocal about it now, mm-hmm. but she doesn't really care. Um, she is one of the people who thinks I'm a crackhead, so, yeah. <laughs> like, she'll tell my sister, oh, she's a crackhead, I can't have you be like her, but then she'll be like, oh, how was your party that you threw, and it's like, you know? So, over time, like, she had, like, an ache in her foot, and I got her, like, some CBD cream, and it really helped, because over time, she didn't really have that same pain, but, you know, later on, other things happened, but for the time being, it was good. So, it kind of changed her perspective in terms of, like, this is medicine, like, yeah. you don't have to smoke. You don't have to roll up. You don't have to be around it. Mm-hmm. Just accept it. Like, don't think low of someone who does it. But overall, for the ones that do know, they support. They come to the parties. They or buy stuff or they repost. You know, or they mention it to people who might want to come. And everyone's pretty happy about it because, like, you know, cannabis is like a hidden thing for some people, or was a hidden thing for for people. Like, it was kind of like I do this in my house. I roll up the blind. I hide behind the closed door. But now it's more like you're out there. Like you're putting it out there. Like so you want people to understand that it's normalized everywhere like there's no reason to act funny towards it mm-hmm. how do you see colorism impact uh people of color in the diaspora um within the cannabis industry um if it does at all you know yeah it does it doesn't you know it does in every in every part of the world just just the way you live and the way you conduct yourself is usually based on the culture where you come from and the color that you are. Um, but more so in the cannabis industry, it's complicated because you do have that energy where are you black, black, or are you Spanish, black? Yeah. Are you light Spanish or are you dark Spanish? What kind of dark Spanish are you? They, this, this, it's unfortunate, but this is really almost a law of the land. People just kind of function that way and put themselves in those, um, in those categories and they some people here don't function with people that they don't feel are this as much as them because i've seen that like i've had someone who did something planned something and then reschedule it like three times and it was of a latinx conversation so for three different weekends you have people kind of like hey we're going then we're not hey we're going and then we're not hey we're going then we're not and then two weeks later there's a speech or something on how so-and-so affects other something so it's kind of like are you doing that to be funny or was that a mistake or do you just not give a fuck about us? Yeah. So that's how I look at it. But then this person is also put on a pedestal for doing mm-hmm. this for her community. So, you know, it, it just really, you got to kind of just function in amongst the people that accept you because it's, that's who you're serving. You're serving the people that are like you. So that's kind of who you want to keep around you. If you can keep someone else around, wonderful. And if not, then you don't have to be a part of everyone's stuff in cannabis. You can, well, you know, have your own circle. You're very democratic. That was a very democratic answer. Diplomatic. Diplomatic. <laughs> diplomatic. <laughs> diplomatic. Very diplomatic yeah, answer. Neutral. Yeah, very, very neutral. neutral. I like it though. I like that. I like that. <laughs> people will be listening. I don't want to put people on blast, you know. Sure. Absolutely not. 
but it's also absolutely not the industries but is, is is can be really big right there's a niche for everything there's a niche for everywhere for all people seasons you know whatever yes. colors whatever you want so it's like you know what find your niche find your niche there's people who mm -hmm. want who are all about Visine Queen and the work that you're doing, and that's a whole entire group of people. Like, you don't have to remake your product and make yourself, you know, get yourself bleaching cream yeah. and, you know, dye your hair blonde oh. and, and do all this stuff. To get there at yeah. all. And no, as they say, find your tribe. <laughs> and if you do that and if someone does that, well, that's on them. That's they them, yeah, 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 yeah. As, as they say, you find your tribe, you find the people who mesh with you, who sure. who you can at least do business with, you know? Yeah. Because I think that's also a problem. When people meet people to do business or carry on with cannabis, they try to do other things like be friends or hang out or listen, keep it business. business. Yeah. Get to know each other business. Hang out because you're still doing business. You can still hang out. You can light one. Great. But we're doing business. And if a year, two years, three years progresses, of course you'll have dinner dates, you'll hang out. But will they be in your house every weekend? No. Like, you know, do they know your children? Do they like, no, you know, like you don't want to get too, now if the years pass and you hang out with this person, like at this point, like I said, 2017, I've been around these people for three years. I'm close to some people. I'm not close to certain people. Groups of us can hang out and we'll all be chill. Like the parties, 50% of them are all these girls I hang out with because <laughs> they all come to hang out together. Yeah. You know, because they all get all different colors, all different sizes, all different looks, all different boroughs, and everyone's just together because we all have a common interest. Mm. Is everyone up each other's ass? No, probably not. But, and that's how you can keep it sometimes because getting too close is never good. Yeah, no. for sure. There's always some drama. I mean, yeah. just... There yeah, there can be. There can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what's next for, for Vising Queen? What's, what are some of your short and long-term goals? I would like to hopefully maybe open up an event space, like purchase an event space or, or rent a location, maybe like a location slash art gallery or art mm -hmm. store, art studio, something of that, of that nature. And hopefully that could occur when eventually New Jersey legalizes. Cause I feel like if, well, I don't know what the hell's going to happen now, but I feel like New Jersey might do it first or they will all do it together. Like they said, they'll just all do it. Cause they have to do it together based on border patrol. They have to do it together. Mm -hmm. There's no way that they're going to put law enforcement with that task. Cause they will literally check every car and they don't have time for that. Nope. No, I mean, and, and so. I mean, the three, the four states, um, PA, New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York, the yep. all four of them need to legalize because it's too close of a border, you know, mm -hmm. like, and they will, and when they do, they're going to do it together. Sure. Yeah. That it comes down to money. Yeah. New York, Connecticut wants the money that New York is going to be getting. And Lamont, he wants to keep up with Cuomo, yeah. so. So, I mean, like, <laughs> New Jersey wants the money that they could be possibly, I mean, and New Jersey, like, they're policies in terms of like medicinal can cannabis use and like who they're accepting yo it's so limiting it's i mean it's it's certainly the reins have been loosened over the years but it's just like damn yo like you really have it's so strict like almost like new, new jersey was mad strict when i first moved here yeah, like no, when i first moved here i think they only had like edibles or something yeah and then they had the thing where they would allow children Yes. So I think they would allow children to do it, and then, but they wouldn't let them do it in the school. So then someone fought for that too, and then they implemented that, that they could get their medication at school because they wanted them at school Monday through Friday. They should be at school like everybody else. So they just have their stuff there instead of only being there half the day, going back home. Like they could have an aid administer. I think it was edibles or whatever it was that he used to take. And, you know, they, I think we were the first state that implemented that. And then other states took form and started following that same model. 
So yeah. little by little, it's getting there. Because these people are so ignorant, and they really don't want to give black people anything. They really don't. But at the same time, this coronavirus has put them in such a fucking like hole. Yo, they're gonna have to legalize. Hole. It's like it they're gonna have to. So for them, it's just like how do they, how do we make the most money out of? Let's sell weed legally, federally. But we'll see. I mean, I hope I hope that's the that's what happens. Um, sooner than later but i do I'm, i i am glad that it didn't happen in new york this year again because we no yeah ready. everything's okay we with that ready. it needs to be we on the right ready. terms yeah and we weren't ready a lot of people like the right organizations were not doing the work that needed to be done for the communities um that this law is gonna affect for real not the one percent of the black and latino that's gonna make it in the industry but the other 99 percent that's really that really need the tax revenues. Um, they need something that is that is gonna make the most sense um, for for that purpose, uh, because the education system, housing, and all this different shit that's happening in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, is in, yeah, in poor yeah, communities. Yeah. MPA is is crazy. That's why people get upset that it hasn't been legalized, but they just have to understand it can't until it's right. It just can't. Yeah. New York cannot. It can't happen until the paperwork is right. It can't. Yeah. It will literally fuck everything up because it's going to take years to amend anything that they put into place. It will not let you change that shit. It'll be another 10 years where you can change that's something. That's what people are saying about California and Colorado is that, yeah, they legalized it, but now they have to, the market's completely saturated and now they're coming in and talking about equity. equity. The market's already saturated. People already took off all the fucking money and now you're going to give everyone the crumbs? Nah. So they're like, do it now. Do it now on the onset. And then afterwards, fix whatever needs to be fixed. But get all what you, whatever you can get now, because it t- like you just said, it takes years for them to fix things, and it doesn't really. It, and at the end of the day, those people who need the fixing, right, who need the, the amendments to get, it's going to be our communities, right, that are going to be most impacted by that. That's the problem: is that a lot of people who try, not a lot, but a portion of people that are involved are really fanatics and they're not paying attention to what's being read, what's being said in the, sure. the deep parts of the legislation. Like you can't just say, woo, we're legalized. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. That's just never how it works. You gotta read down there. But New Jersey um, is is getting ready to vote on it though. Um, yeah, you guys have Yes, they, they were gonna have it on the ballot this 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 November. Yeah, so we'll so see about that because yeah. that's, that's coronavirus exciting. might make it disappear. Uh-huh. That's exciting, Thank though. That's you. exciting. It is exciting, but we'll we'll see. Because that will push New York and Connecticut to 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 hurry it up and and make it right, you know. So if the people vote on it, you know that that means that the people want it. But it got to be the right, like you said, it got to be the right the I right. Um, but this is the, de- the devil's in the details. Yeah. So mm-hmm. more than just saying it's legalized, it's, but what does it mean for everyone else? Yeah. So yeah. we coming. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, no, no. I was going to say, yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> so we're coming to our end. Um, and we want to thank you so much for, for stopping by and blessing us with your knowledge. This yes. was a great conversation. Yes, it was. Um, thank so you. So if, you, if, if our, let's, for our listeners yeah. that are out there, they want to get into the industry, what advice would you give them um, you know, to get into the industry? What would you say to them? I would say you should be willing to volunteer your time your whatever active skills you use in the regular world, um, whatever that be, you can apply that to cannabis. There's one of everything that's always needed. There's, there's a whole country and a whole world. Everyone needs an accountant. Everyone needs a graphic designer. 
Everyone needs a website uh, person. Everyone needs everything. Um, so there's no reason to not volunteer your time because that's the best way to learn and the best way to network. Because as you know, like this is kind of like a closed community yeah. and like a lot of people just try to like, Hey, whatever. And some people are lucky enough to be able to do that. But at the same time, people volunteer their time. Yeah. Like they run people's pages, they run their websites or they do things for them or they work in their office. And, and that's usually for free. And what you're getting is the opportunity to meet people you wouldn't be around that wouldn't really talk to you that actually appreciate your time. When I first started um, being more out, the first thing I did was ask to volunteer for Women Grow. And so I used to, I used to leave, I think at first, I don't know how I got to do it at first, but I used to leave work early. And I used to tell them that I used to get therapy. <laughs> And so since I think they probably thought my ass was crazy, they wasn't going to ask me much. They were like, all right, you can leave. You can leave once a month, an hour early. But I was leaving early to go to the city to park up and go volunteer. Mm -hmm. So one day I told the head of, I told Tanya that. Tanya Osborne, the uh, women. Yeah, I told her that. And she just looked at me. She was like, you fucking crazy. <laughs> she was like, you crazy. You really, you really holding that? She's like, okay, you took initiative. <laughs> like I had to tell them something. Because that was the only way I was going to get away. Okay, but but, but I would say... Yeah, you knew at, at some point this was going to be your passion, so you took the risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I could pull it off. It wasn't that bad. It was once a month. I had been at that job for years. They trusted me, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't disrespect, and it worked out for a while, and that's how I met a lot of people. So volunteering your time, um, offering your services, sometimes for free or for a low cost or for some sort of a barter in exchange, you know, I'm hooking you up, and you're hooking me up, and I've had a lot of hookups. Forget about I've had a that. lot of hookups. Yeah. About bartering. So, so can can you explain Absolutely. to our to our listeners what what is that? What is that? So bartering is kind of just offering is basically offering what you have, whether that be a skill or a physical product or a physical thing that you make that will be beneficial to that other person, and in turn they give you something you can benefit from as well. So you set these terms beforehand, or you already know what this person offers, and you know you're. Either way, it's a risk because you could be offering your time for someone who doesn't really do anything. It's just a face. or But you're learning that too. Now you learn how to filter through these people who aren't doing anything. And yeah. now you really gravitate to the people who are doing something or someone will see your efforts and say, oh, I knew you were wasting your time with them, but come, I have a project for you. So you just never know. Like You really have to be open and offer free time, barter and trade with people, do things if you have to. I've done graphics for people and, and not that I've asked for money. But I just know that I'm not going to charge this person because they're starting up. That's for sure. Like this is this is going to hook them up, and now they have a design, they have branding, they have this, they have that. They could have spent this much money on it, and I just like I I did some real estate logos for a friend, and she's like, "Oh, what do I owe you?" I was like, "Your fucking time. Let's go to dinner." Like I don't want anything. I don't need it. You yeah. can spend 150 for something when we can exchange something else. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure, for sure, Absolutely. and and that's a and that's a way of of us creating a new way of, of um, currency that is not just the dollar amount or how much you can pay me or whatever, but it's like how much time you can spend helping me build something um, that is bigger yeah. than, you know. That and is, likewise, and whatever I can offer you in, in return yeah. equally just helps to build the community, um, you know, strengthen whatever, whatever our community is. So that I feel like is so much stronger than the transaction of like, here's a dollar, yeah. or a dollar, and then that's it. So yeah, that's that's like celebrities. People people think that it's just celebrity world, money, money, whatever, and it is. But a lot of those people also came up. Yeah, like they came up hustling, struggling, going to auditions, going to this, going through bad shit, and yeah. only confiding in each other. So that's why they all keep each other's mouth shut because they all know they're all they they know each other's business, yeah. but they also protect each other because they're going through it. 
absolutely but i mean celebrities they barter too like how many designers give them free stuff all the time oh you're gonna go to this this event put on this please do this Mm -hmm. it happens all the time so they do it on their level like we should not be so so like you know hesitant so we can be you know like if you're hesitant i'm sorry if you're like um it's good to gauge people out but you also kind of have to be like you know 50 50 but you gotta take a chance like this is a new world if it's a new like any new industry you gotta take chances for sure for sure Mm -hmm. so if our listeners want to find you where should they go um and what they should do they can find me on instagram at visine queen or visinequeen.com um i have a couple links on there i also have my email which is on my instagram and it's lisa at visinequeen.com and that's pretty much where they can find me. Well, thank you, Lisa. Flash Vising Queen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, so thank you for having me. Really appreciated you and your, your yeah, insight. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much. This was so great. It's been a thank long you, time thank you. because, you know, I wanted to do this with her, but I know she's busy, so I didn't want to, you know, bother her with. with no, not busy. Uh, but now that we are on COVID-19, I was like, this is the time. I know that she she's at home. So Yeah, I know where you at. You're in quarantine. Answer the fucking quarantine. You so, is home. Yeah, so thank you so much. So to our listeners, this has been another episode of Blue Dream Radio. Thank you so much. Um, as always, I'm your host, Freedom. And this is LEG. See you next week. But nothing in this world that I like more than checks. Money. All I really want to see is the I don't really need a D, I need a Are you enjoying this podcast? If you haven't done so already, rate us. Your voice matters and gets us in front of new listeners every single day. Have a great weekend. Peace. Shake a little ass. You get a little bag and take it to the store. Get a little cash. You shake it real fast. You get a little more. I got bands in the coop. Bussin' at the coop. I got bands in the coop. Bussin' at the coop.